joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. This is the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson. And I have a great show for you today. It's going to pique your curiosity in a few areas, but really I want you to just um, take this moment right now to grab a piece of paper, something to write back, something to write with, sit back and relax for a bit, maybe grab your favorite beverage, because some information that's going to be disseminated to you today is uh, is going to kind of pique your curiosity about um, which room you may be living in with your thoughts and uh, how where they are may determine um, the quality of success you have in business, personal relationships, and happiness. Before we get started in that arena, so to speak. Um, I want to thank my sponsors. The first one I want to thank is Blissful Living for You. It's a uh, dream lifestyle company focused on wellness, wisdom, and wealth, helping people to build and sustain wellness, wisdom, and wealth so that they can step into living the life of their dreams with ease and success. Um, you want to check them out at blissfullivingforyou.com. They have some great specials going on. So if you're looking to improve any area of your well-being, uh, if you want to get your mindset right so that you can tackle all the success that's coming forth your way, or if you're looking to really just protect your nest of golden nuggets that you've developed and you've been building over the last few years, then check out blissfullivingforyou.com. I'm sure they have a wealth of information on there, and there's always something for someone uh, to help you achieve what you're trying to do. The next sponsor I want to thank is All Day Cable Incorporated. They are a telecommunications company located in the heart of Silicon Valley. They've been around for almost 30 years, and what they do is network distribution. So they actually help the backbone of how we telecommute or how we commute, communicate today. Um, they make sure that their customers' backbone for communication is always up and operational. They focus on voice data and fiber optic wiring, as well as wireless system, audio, video, and speaker systems. So if you have a need for that or you want to tighten up your network distribution or you have some small ad moves or changes to your business or facilities, then check out alldaycableinc.com. Again, they've been around for about 30 years, and so I'm sure they can help you to make the right connections so that you can continue to telecommute and telecommunicate with your customers successfully. Now I want to jump into the show and tell you a little bit about our guest. And today's guest is Kevin Murphy. And Kevin is a former Wall Street Managing Director, high school and collegiate wrestling champion, community activist, speaker, coach, and author of the book, Three Rooms. At 33, after 33 years at Citigroup in the fields of sales, marketing, and options, trading, and becoming an industry luminary in the options field, 
Kevin felt called to step away from the corporate world in order to bring forth a book that would draw attention to a concept that became very clear to him during quiet periods of reflection and meditation. He started applying these concepts while dealing with people in business, the youngsters he coached in wrestling, and in his own personal experiences, including how it could impact those being pulled into the opioid and drug epidemic. The premise behind his book, which we will also talk about during our show, The Three Rooms, is really rather simple, but it's very profound. It explains that our experience of life is not based on what we have or what we do. Rather, it's based on what we think, and our thoughts can only be in one of three places. In the past, the past room, the future, the future room, or the present, the present room. And whichever room your thoughts are in determines your experience of life in that moment. Kevin explains how observing which room your thoughts are in can change your experience of life. And so we are going to really talk a little bit more about these three rooms, past, future, and present, and how being where we want to be really uh, can help us by realizing which room we're actually in. So without any further delay, I want to welcome Kevin Mercy to Blissful Living. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. It's great to have you on. I'm very interested um, to learn about these three rooms. Uh, very intrigued with the fact that you actually um, discovered some of these concepts while you were, uh, you know, having your quiet period after working on Wall Street, so to speak, in that hectic marketing and options trading world, and also um, in your meditative moments. So, just share with me, because it always piques my curiosity when I talk to people that have, um, you know, been a mover and shaker in the world, so to speak, um, actually come down and uh, really ground themselves back on the ground, so to speak, and really take what they've learned and apply it in a different arena like you've done. So share with us, how did this book, The Three Rooms, come about? Well, you know, I, I spent 33 years with one firm on Wall Street, but, you know, it was really six different firms that were all merged together. And so, you know, through each of the mergers, you know, you go through um, a lot of self-reflection and you learn a lot about, you know, yourself and, and other people's um, behaviors, you know, and, and especially during times of adversity when things are happening. And, and I had gone through some adversity in my personal life as well and, you know, and just kind of kept looking within, you know, for um, you know, for answers, and and so it was over. You know, probably the last you know twenty years of my of the that thirty three years, I was constantly you know reading and devouring all kinds of spiritual literature and, and kind of looking within for answers. Um, but still, it, at you know five years ago, this would have seemed like a very unlikely conversation because um, you know I was still you know working and, and you know full time, but and I and didn't actually consciously think about writing a book and saying, hmm, I think I should write a book. You know, what do I want to write about? And more, it was just a premonition that, 
that I was going to write a book, and I didn't know what it was about. And then this this image of three doors kept coming, and it just and one was clearly the past, and one was the present, and one was the future. And I kept thinking, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to write about. And as these thoughts came, um, I kept describing the place beyond the thoughts where our thoughts go behind the doors and so the three doors became the three rooms and so um, what I thought was most interesting is that early on I wrote down 10 chapters to the book and those 10 chapters never changed Mm-hmm. But over the next three years, while I was commuting into the city and going back and forth, I just kept writing, you know, um, ideas and thoughts down. And sometimes they came from, you know, either you know books or songs or movies or you know just personal life experiences. And as I wrote them down, I'd fill them into different chapters, and and eventually all the chapters were filled in. And the same chapters now, did you, there today. Did- did you have a, um, as you begin this journey with writing this book, did you have a end in mind, so to speak? Like, did you have a main point that you wanted to get out um, into the world, or was it something that evolved after you start constructing the book and really getting into writing it? Yeah, I think it was kind of after it was constructed, but I guess when I wrote this 10 chapters, they all, um, it all kind of fell together, and I said, okay, this this seems to be the message, you know, being the fact that there's, you know, explaining the three rooms and starting with the concept of, of you know, where am I, you know, where are you, no, meaning where are your thoughts, and, and I think that's the probably the, the centerpiece of the whole book. It's that awareness of, of where your thoughts are, and, you know, in order to be aware of our thoughts, we need to observe them. You know, and it is that act of observation that kind of separates our awareness from our thoughts. And that, that awareness is that consciousness or that divine consciousness that all the mystics have always talked about and that's what we wanna that's what we wanna tap into. But the you know, the chapters have talked about, you know, where are we in, in monitoring and observing where our thoughts are and then explained each room and then moving from room to room and you know, because our thoughts of course can can go back and forth whereas we may want to be in the present room. But, you know, we're, thoughts, we're always going to be looking back and being reminded of things that happened in the past or looking into the future. And, um, and you know, there's, so our thoughts go back and forth, but it's being aware of where your thoughts are. So, what, so, okay. so with regards to um, having an awareness of, you know, where our thoughts, our thoughts are at any given moment, um, being a person that worked in a corporate world, and I, I know quite a bit about Citibank when they were Citigroup and they were just City, you know, Citicorp, and uh, before the merger of Solomon Smith and Barney, I, I know a lot about Citibank, um, so from a past life. But um, with regards to all of that going on, you know, in your quote unquote work arena, and you're writing this book and trying to be cognizant of where your thoughts are at any given moment, did you begin to take some of the information that you were, you know, jotting down as concepts for your book and began applying them, say, in your day-to-day activity at work? Yes, and I think, you know, when I talked about going through mergers, you know, there's... um, and you learn a lot about people. I mean, I saw real life experiences of 
um, people going through things and how they behaved and therefore, you know, and, and I applied what I was learning and the insights that I was getting, you know, in the same situations and they, they yielded completely different outcomes, you know, and I'll give you an example, just, you know, in, you know, in a merger, let's just say, you know, in, in one of the mergers, there's, um, you know, there's managers and, you know, let's just say there's a manager or supervisor of a department, you know, and he, cares about the people that work for him and they respect him and he likes being in charge. But then, you know, he's, he's told that his firm's being bought out by another company and the firm's right. calling all the shots so that he's no longer going to be the you know, managing people in his department. But he'll be able to keep his job and he'll be a valued member of that department. And let's say he doesn't take it very well. Let's say this guy's named John and, and he, he keeps thinking back at all the things he's accomplished and he's looking at all the things his new manager has done in the past and you know, he's convinced that he's done a better job. And over time, his anger and resentment continues to build, and then he starts to share that with other people in the department, and they, you know, look what he's doing. We used to do a better job. And they start to, and before long, other people in the department, you know, that used to work for him start kind of echoing those same sentiments. And, you know, a couple of months later, when the new company is reevaluating, you know, all the personnel, they say, you know, to his manager, well, how's John doing? And they go, well, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he seems angry, you know, about things. And he's, you know, he's got he's a negative influence on the department. Um, and before long, John's no longer working there. And so then you Look at a different person, and we'll just do real quick, you know, call some guy named Jim, and he's in the same exact situation, but when he finds out he's not going to be a manager anymore, he starts worrying about the future, and he keeps worrying about his future job security, and I, I can't believe they took my title away, and now no one's going to respect me anymore, and what if I try to find a new job, and they no longer make me a supervisor, and as he, you know, is thinking all these things, he starts passing his fears and his insecurities onto other people in the department. And now all the other people that who came over with him start getting nervous too. And now two months later, you know, you have, there's a review from the new with the new company. How's everybody going? And they're asking about Jim. And you know, his manager's going, well, he's kind of disappointed in his performance. You know, he heard good things about him, but you know, he's just not, um, you know, he's not performing the way he could. And they said, well, you know, we we, we we're going to have to let him go. And then you can have a, you know, a last scenario where, you know, a guy, you know, just call him Joe or whatever, you know, he's in the same situation. <laughs> but, you know, when he's told that he's no longer going to be managing people, he says, you know, that's fine. Just tell me where I sit and what you'd like me to do. Because he understood that he didn't get his identity from his job title. You know, he knew who he was on the inside and that if he was successful in the past, he could be successful again in the future. And he was grateful for that opportunity. And then he ended up helping his former staff get acclimated to the new job. He shared ideas with the new manager, how they can better integrate the department and become more efficient and productive than they were previously. Then after the you know, first two months, you know, his manager says, you know, how's things going in the department? And he goes, wow, things are going great. This guy, Joe is better than I could have ever imagined. You know, he's positive. He's upbeat. He's got the respect of everyone in the department. He shares new ideas. I think he's really a valuable asset. And then all of a sudden, the manager starts to get together, and they tell his manager, you know, you've done a great job here, and now we're going to move you over to this other area, which is struggling with the integration. You know, unfortunately, we can move Joe into your position, and now we have two strong managers to lead our teams going forward. And right. now Joe's told that he's going to resume his old managerial responsibilities. Now, that's actually a true story. 
And so I know the other two people that that have that has happened to where, you know, one person, you know, let's just say, you know, John was stuck in the past room with his thoughts that mm-hmm. produced feelings of anger and resentment that someone else got his title and he ended up not working there anymore. You know, and Jim was stuck in the future room with thoughts that produced feelings of fear and insecurity about what might happen going forward. And meanwhile, I stayed in the present room with just thoughts of gratitude and satisfaction for being able to keep my job. And so, you know, this is not theory. You know, it's real life. And like I said, I've I've seen it happen firsthand. Like what you think and what you feel is what you project out. I mean, that's what so, other people get from you. For sure, I agree. For sure, what you um, you carry this energy with you, and it do, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of like when you um, are with a friend, you go see a friend, and you're all happy and upbeat, and you know everything. And the friend is kind of down. Something may have happened. They may be going through something emotional or, or, you know, whatever, but they get with you and you're happy and you're upbeat and you're laughing and they pick up your energy and the next thing they know, you know, they're happy, they're upbeat, they're laughing, they're not thinking about what, you know, what they were thinking about prior to you get to getting together and they're just having a really good time in that moment. And then you have the other scenario where, you know, happy, upbeat and you know, vibrant gets together with sad, depressed, and not so vibrant, but because sad, depressed, and not so vibrant energy is a lot more expansive than happy and upbeat. Guess what? Happy and upbeat now becomes sad, and they don't even know why, because they have nothing to be sad about. It's just the energy of the person. So I truly believe in the energetics of people and how what you are and what you're thinking about at any given moment does project out on your path, so to speak in front of you, uh, that which people will pick up. Now, I wanted to ask you, because it was very interesting, I know there are probably a lot of people listening that have one time or another have had to go through a reorganization, you know, somebody, another company acquiring their company or their company maybe acquiring another company, and there's a lot of what they call in the industry job discontinued, basically you're being fired, but they call your job is being discontinued because of the merging, and people get stuck in past, present, or future. What would you say to these people to help them, if there's someone listening right now and they're kind of like, you know, this is happening to me and I'm not really sure what to do with what's popping up in my head, what would you say to them with regards to observing their thoughts? Well, you know, the, the first thing, and, and especially when it relates to, you know, let's just say a business and job security and things, and, you know, things like that is um, th- there's some things that are out of your control and there's some things that are in your control. You know, if you have deadlines to meet and, and things to do at work, you know, and then you, you get busy doing them, you know, and you, and you finish them and you keep busy. But if there's things where you're doing everything you can and then you don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be some big meetings in two weeks, and they're going to be determining the fate of your department or the firm or what's going to happen. It's out of your control. Then you can't focus on the things that are out of your control. You can only focus on things that you are doing well and and how things can you know always work out well in the long run, regardless of what happens. And the other big thing is just not getting your identity from your title. 
because especially if, you know if someone's working their way up the corporate ladder, typically that you know it's it's not such a big deal. But once st- people start supervising and managing other people, I mean, regardless how small the department is, they start to you know let's face it, sometimes get an inflated sense of self worth. They think they're kind of <laughs> better than better than they were two days ago before they got that promotion. And, exactly. And, and they're the same person. And everyone else in the department knows they're the same person. And if all of a sudden they start seeing that different change in attitude, they're like, who does he think he is? Or who does she think she is? We know her. We knew her when, when she was one of us. And now, right. what, you know, she's too good for that? So you can't, <laughs> you can't get this new identity because someone puts a different title on your job because that's how fleeting it can go. Someone takes it away, and now you've lost that identity. So keep your identity. Your identity is, is you. You're amazing. And, and we have this, we have this you, know, uh, you know, you can call it your soul, your higher self, you know, that non-physical part of us that's, that we, we want to connect to, and that's saying we're amazing. You know? And that's, that's where we want to come from. And not from whatever that title is. So, you know, it's just always you work hard, you treat people with respect, you have fun, you help out as much as you can. You're doing all those things, then it doesn't matter if you stay at that job or you go somewhere else. People are going to want to work with you. People are going to want you to work for them, you know, and you're going to have a wonderful future. I love that. Thanks Thanks for sharing that because, you know, a lot of times we say things and we don't really know who it may be affecting. You know, we just say things and because in the context of conversation, that's what two people do, right? But I think what you said may have helped someone um, that may be going through some challenges with their job or, you know, got that title and think they're all that or maybe haven't even realized that since they got their title and they think they're all that, maybe that's why people are starting to shun away from them that used to hang out with them, you know, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Or just the fact that, you know, they just, you know, they're stuck thinking about, well, you know, the meeting is next week and I don't know if my department's going to be around and, you know, they just have whatever kind of attitude, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I think what you shared may have helped some people that are contemplating all kind of thoughts that are not necessarily positive. So thank you for sharing it. And I want to ask you, with regards to, you know, um, your experience in the corporate world, particularly because you're in the financial um, aspect of the corporate, you know, arena, um, did you did you share the fact that you were writing a book of this context with any of the people that you work with? Because, you know, sometimes corporate people can be quite a bit different thinkers when it comes to stuff like, you know, meditation and metaphysical and, you know, energy and connecting with source or whatever. They can be a little bit different. So did you share any of this um, with some of the people around you that you were working with or did you kind of just keep it all to yourself? You know that's that's a very interesting question, um, and you know the, the short answer is n- no. I didn't share it with many people, but it might be for a little different reason. I don't think I was concerned about, especially within the firm, of people um, 
you know, either shunning it or looking at me, me differently or anything or, you know, in any kind of negative light. I think, um, in, in fact, I think more and more people in the, in the, um, in the corporate world are, you know, embracing, um, you know, mindfulness and, and um, you know, a consciousness-minded lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't think it would have been looked negatively, but um, I actually got, you know, in the, in, in the book, The Three Rooms, just came out. It was just published, you know, two months ago. And um, someone that I've known for a long time, he said, you know what, Kevin, I read the book, and, 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 I, and I really loved it. And one thing that I was um, just kind of amazed at, um, that you never, I've known you for all these years, and you never once hinted that this was inside you. <laughs> you know, and that this could come out. Like, it was kind of like, and I had three different people text me the exact same line. Hey, Murph, who knew? Being like, who knew that was going to come out of you? You know, and they kind of, you know, they said, they, you know, as they read it, they can kind of hear my voice and say, okay, yeah, I can see that it was, you know, me explaining it. But um, the yeah. short answer is, like I said, I never really shared it with too many people. And I don't think that's, um, you know, that was really intentional, but it's just more me being private. It's kind of funny because they're probably thinking, who's checking? I didn't know he was this kind of dude or I didn't know he had this in him. You know, he doesn't. You know, he didn't. He didn't share, quote unquote, this weird side that he had in him hiding with any of us. And then he writes this book. You know, they probably were like all tripping and intrigued about it. But it's kind of funny because you know, in certain contexts and certain circles, there's things you can share and be open with, and then there's things you really can't, or it's not the appropriate time because people may think you're a little woo woo or weird or you know. And depending on who you're dealing with. You know, it could be a deal, a deal setter or a deal breaker. So it's kind of funny how you shared that, that, you know, you have these people that have known you for a long time and they just didn't know this was in you. And it just goes to show that we have um, many facets to our wonderful personalities and selves. And, and so it's really kind of cool. I love it. Now, Kevin, with regards to um, – I want to get a little bit more into um, the three rooms and really – touch on um, each one of the three rooms briefly. I know we talked about one being the present, one being the past, and one being the future. But in the context of when we're thinking or having thoughts at any given moment and we find or we acknowledge or realize that we're in one of these rooms, what exact significance may that have for us at that moment in time? Sure. Well, it's it's really, it's all about how we feel and you know everything that's you know we can say change your thoughts change your life or you know your thoughts affect your experience of life and and really what is our experience of life it is it's all about how we feel everybody wants to feel good and so you know if we wake up in the morning and we meditate and we're feeling really good or even going back to you know the, the you know the beginning of our life and look at look at babies and look at little kids and they're always so happy and joyful and that's that's really where we how we started and and how we're supposed to feel and that's that's our connection to you know our own soul and and that 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 universal consciousness that we all have is just call it love right and that that feeling of love is what we all want to have that's all what we can feel and that's being in the present moment that's in, in, in being in the present room um, but it's our thoughts that pull us out and so 
anytime we have thoughts, and when I look at the, the past room, I don't think of the past room as, you know, recalling positive past experiences and, you know, thinking, you know, about something that you really liked and enjoyed. We should do that because whenever we're thinking about the past or the present right now or the future, we're still always doing it right now. Right. So, that, you know, it's, it's never, that never changes. And we think of time as linear, but it's time is now, and it's now, and it's always now. So it's not about going, thinking about something in the past, but it's thinking about something in the past that recalls negative emotions from that event, or mm. from what happened. And that's being in the past room. That is going into the past and and remembering something that either someone did to you that you were angry about or you were resentful about or even something you know you meant to do and you didn't and you feel guilty about it or something you did and you feel really guilty about those negative emotions you've already you know we've lived through them and they cause these negative emotions and now we keep going back there and we relive them every time we think of that thought that's going back to the past room and so, ultimately, we want to, you know, relieve those negative emotions from our thoughts going back there. And the same is for the future, because thinking about the future and planning for the future is, is necessary. But in, in envisioning, you know, a positive outcome in the future or thinking about something, dreaming about something you'd like to do and feeling really good about it, those are wonderful things. And every time we imagine something, you know, it's, it's literally, you know, it becomes a real possibility, you know, in our lives. And those we should be dreaming, we should be envisioning, you know, futures that we want. But when we're thinking about something in the future and we're thinking about worst-case scenarios and how we're going to do something and getting all those feelings of stress and anxiety, that's being stuck in the future room. And that's how, you know, we, where we want to avoid. And so it all comes down to how you feel. If, you, if you're feeling anger, resentment, you typically, you think about why am I feeling this? Oh, yeah, okay, I'm thinking about that person or I'm thinking about that event. And if you're feeling stress and anxiety, you think of the other. So, you know, the absence of those thoughts brings you back into the present room where you can start to think about things, you know, about appreciation and joy and, you know, and compassion, those kind of things. I get it. So it's kind of like being in a room surrounded by a couple windows, I'm going to say. And in one, you're in the present moment, so you're in that present room, and you have a thought of, I'm going to say, there was something on television not too, not just recently where the person was talking about something that had happened to her in the past. And what was really interesting to me is that I wasn't watching the television per se, but it was on. And when I heard the person speak, this person's voice sounded like she was the age at when this incident happened to her. So I was like, okay, and she was very, her voice, you could hear, you know, she had fear in her voice and, um, you know, uh, somewhat anger, but shock, and, and it was very... Um, very emotionally driven, even though this incident happened many, 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 many years ago. So I take it she's in the present room, and she's looking at the window behind her and the feelings of looking out that window behind her, and she's recalling this incident, brings her to those negative, negative feelings, and it takes her back to that negative place. Whereas 
is another scenario where someone's in the room and they're thinking about their future. So they're looking out the front window and they're daydreaming about, you know, how they, you know, want that big house in the hills and that, I would say Mercedes, but now we're going to elevate it. It's like Maserati or Bentley or Aston Martin. And, you know, they want everything picture perfect. And they start thinking about all the money they need to make to have this big house that they've chunked down this money on become a reality and they start getting stressed and their blood pressure starts to go up and their hands start sweating and their mind starts racing. And so they're stuck in the present, in the present room, but they're stuck in that emotional feeling of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm by looking out the window to the future. Um, Really interesting because as you were saying what you were sharing, it was like, wow, I see people do that all the time. You know, something happened in the past um, that evokes anger within them, and, but they take it as if that anger is happening to them right now in this moment. Or the other scenario is they're thinking about, you know, how am I going to pay for my college kid, my kids' college tuition? I want them to go, but then they start getting all stressed about, you know, this kid wants to go to. Yale, and I can't afford Yale, but I told him I would, you know, so it's all that stuff. And, and so when you put it in the context that you shared and tied it to emotional, in the emotional state of any individual at that moment in time where they're having the thoughts, I think that helps a lot of people to really realize that they really need to check in with their thoughts because your thoughts have a lot of power and um, and at any given moment you have the power to contract control those thoughts and put you in a better place. Now, if people knew, you know, that they should live in the present or in the here and now, why, oh, why do so many people get stuck in the past or in those future rooms? Well, it's, you know, well, once again, it's it's our thoughts that, that take us there and we're constantly you know, being reminded of things and, you know, all during the day of things we see and hear keep reminding us of, of, of different things. You know, and I think you did a great job of, of um, you know, framing, you know, an image of, of being in the present room and then thinking into the into the past. And you used the analogy of looking through the window. And from a three rooms perspective, I would just, I would change the image a little bit of that window. And you can have a window there, but then that window takes you into a different room, which is the past room. And when your thoughts go in there and you're feeling negative emotions, you're feeling those negative emotions in that other room. You've gone through that you know, window and now you're, you're in the past room. And that's where you're feeling negative emotions. And now if you come back into the present and now you start to look into the future and you, even, you can say you're looking through a window and, and, and you start thinking about things in the future and then all of a sudden you start feeling negative emotions, that stress and all, then I would, I would, I, my image in my mind is that then I've gone into that future room because in the present room you always feel good. In the present room you're always connected to your source. To your own higher self, or that inner being, you know that that mm, non-physical part okay. of us, and so, gotcha. and you you said something really interesting that you started being in the present room, you started thinking about it and imagining things are good, you know I'd love to you know have that new house or that Maserati and you know and, you know how wonderful that would be, and then the thoughts of yeah, but how much money is going to be, and I'm not going to be able to afford that, and and then those <laughs> thoughts come in, and that's the key right there 
because mm. it's, it's the word not that we add. Like when you say, you know, I'm so happy. You can be in the present. Room, I'm so happy. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm able to do, you know, a, you know, anything I want. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you, you start thinking about something else and you're saying, and, and usually it's by, based on what other people say. Like, oh, you're not going to be able to do that or you're never going to be able to afford that. And then we start, you know, those, those thoughts of what other people have planted in our head start to come around. Like, oh, yeah, what, what am I kidding? You know, I'm not going to be able to afford that. Or I'm not going to get that job. I'm not going to do that. And those thoughts of I am not, all of a sudden, start to get you to thinking about what is. You're looking about it, and which is, you know, your life right now, and you're thinking about what you want, and you don't have it. You think about not having it and not being able to afford it, and all of that keeps that's those cause, as you said, it brings on those feelings of stress and, and anxiety because you're looking at what you don't have now and you're thinking about the future of not having it and not being able to have it. And the flip side is being in the present, imagining, doing that first part of it, imagining what it is that you'd like, either that new car or that new house or that job, and then really starting to imagine what it would feel like to have it and think, wow, wouldn't it be great? This would, you know, and just let's say getting a new job and oh, it would be great to be able to get that new job. When I get that new job, then I'll be able to afford more things. I'll have more money. I'll be able to buy that car. I can't wait. It's going to be great to drive around that car. You know, it's going to really, really be fun. And you may not want it. If, if, the, if the word Lamborghini all of a sudden goes... Ah, I'm never going to be able to afford that. It's too much money. Then don't use the word Lamborghini. Use that. Right. Use the word new car because it's less. It's less, you know, stressful and eh, because you have to believe. Like you having a dream that's achievable, which you know, right. having a new car is achievable versus you know having something that you don't believe is achievable. Then no power of persuasion is going to make it happen. Like people can right. say, I can say, well, I want to play in the NBA, you know, and I, I'm going to play. I, I am a professional basketball player. I am going to play in the NBA, but I have about a three-inch vertical leap. So there's just there's no way I can play in the NBA. So I can think all I want, but I don't really believe it deep down. And so it can right. never happen. But if you start thinking about things now and imagining a future where you have that car and you hold on to that feeling of having it and knowing, I'm not sure how it's going to come yet, but I'm going to be looking for those things. I know it's coming and I feel it now. And we know those people that are just, they're always optimistic and they're positive and we call them lucky. Right? Oh, they're so lucky. Those things happen. But they have an expectation about them and that they're expecting things to happen because they're envisioning it, they're grateful for what they have now, and they're expecting things to happen. As soon as your thoughts start to go to, I'm not going to be able to do that, I'm not, that, that expectation turns to doubt. And then mm. you can't attract into your life what you desire. Oh, You know, you said, I, I'm just going to point this out for, to the listeners. So listeners, I hope you caught on to what Kevin was saying, but one key word that really is amplified in my head and should be in yours is the big, bad, three-letter word, not. Because it seems like as soon as you believe it not to be true or not to be possible, 
that changes you from being in the present room to some other room, and that's not what you want to do. And I also like when you said, you know, okay, you know, I have this vision of driving this powder blue baby, this powder blue, you know, very stealth Aston Martin like James Bond. Well, yeah, Aston Martin at $285,000, the kind I want, may not be possible at this moment in time. But if I just think I just want a new car, well, me getting a new car is very possible, right? So I like how you shared that. It's just really cool just how um, sometimes we can just play with the words that we say in our head to really put us in a good or bad state of being. Now, I want to ask you, so it seems very simple enough to switch rooms, but, you know, sometimes people get stuck. And they can't get out of, say, the present. I mean, they can't get out of the past or they can get stuck in the future. And um, sometimes it's just, you know, for instance, someone could be so mad at someone and so angry at them, um, and they just can't switch out of that, I'm going to say, past room. What should they do or what would you tell a person to help them to be able to work through that being stuck? Yeah, that's that, that's a really good question, and um, you know the, the simplest answer is, especially if it's if it's a person who you think has um, you know done something to you, and you know you're really angry and and, and upset with them. Um, it really is about forgiveness, and if you can truly forgive them, you can then leave the past room, come back into the present room, and feel good again, because as long as you keep holding on to Whatever that is that's making you, you know, you know, angry and or resentful or you know against that person, not being able to forgive that person, it's you who fe- keeps feeling those negative emotions every time you think of that person, and especially if you have to see them a lot, if it's a, a family member or if it's someone in a, you know, in, that you work with every day and you work, you know, walk in the morning and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're mad right away, you know, you have to understand <laughs> that, you know, that's that's it's only hurting me. And so, and it starts though with the awareness that you know, God, I, I keep feeling, keep feeling negative, and you know, I don't want to feel that way, you know, anymore, you know. And I, I have a real quick story. I have a, I have a friend who's, who's just the greatest person in the world, and he's just always so happy, and it's always, I think of him as always living in the present room. And I said, you know, Kevin, I wasn't always like this. He goes, you know, I, I had a business with my brother, you know, and about ten years ago, this guy really, he really screwed us over. And I wrote his name down on my desk. And every morning I came in, I'd say hi to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Uncle Vinny, what's going on? And, and <laughs> I'd sit down. And he goes, and there was that note. And I would, all day long, I'd think of that note to get this person back. And I'm scheming over and over, you know, how I get back at him because of what he, he did to me. He goes, and one day my brother, who's his twin brother who, um, you know, they were um, ran the business together. He goes, he walks in. He goes, what's this? Vinny, what is that? I, he goes, I told him, that's my reminder to get back at whatever. I'm going to make up the name, Carmine. <laughs> and he goes, what are you talking about? You've got to let that go. He goes, I'm not letting that go until, until I get him back. So he goes, my brother <laughs> ripped up the, the note, and he left my office. So I wrote down a new one, and I put it on the desk. <laughs> and he goes, and the next day I came in, and it was gone. And I wrote it down again. And he goes, and that happened for about a week. And finally I said, you know what? 
I'm tired of writing this note down to remind me to be mad and get back at this guy. And he said, you know what? I never thought of him again. And now I was happy all day long. I said, Ben, that's a great story because we do it ourselves, right? We we hold on to these things ourselves. Do you think the other guy, whatever, Carmen, whoever he was, do you think he was feeling that anger every day? No. Not at all. Not at all. It was It was only Benny. And he finally stopped writing those notes down. He finally let it go. And boom, he was right back. He goes, I've been in the present room ever since. I've been happy as can be. That's so cool. I love that story because, you know what, I actually know people who do that. Or, you know, someone's like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that that dude. Or even on the road, you know, driving. You know, in California, traffic is in the Bay Area is absolutely crazy, and I'm sure it is in other parts of the country as well. But, you know, you have these people that are like, that, that so-and-so cut me off. I'm going to get them back. And the whole time they're driving they're tense, and you know it's like if you've ever been to traffic school, and they show that that cartoon of Goofy, who's this mad, crazy driver, and how you should not be. Well, you see it all the time on the road. You have these people just because someone didn't let them in or cut them off, and the person may not even know they cut you off, or you know what I'm saying. But that person, I'm gonna get that person back. And the whole time they're driving in their commute, angry and tense and white knuckle, and blood pressure is up, and. You know, they're just racing and just, you know, and here the other person has no clue what's going on and could probably actually care less. So it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, here's Benny was stewing over Carmine, what Carmine did. Carmine could care less. He wasn't no sweat off of him. The brother was like, I'm tired of you dealing with this, and this is ridiculous. Grow up, dude, and I'm going to tear up the letter, right? And then after a while, Benny was like, you know, hey. I'm tired of writing this dar letter, you know, or this person's name. You know what? I'm just going to let it go, which is cool because a lot of people have issues with, you know, letting stuff go. And all it does really is affect them and it doesn't affect the other person. So thanks so much for sharing that. I was I was cracking up the whole time you're talking because I'm like, I know people like that. Once upon a time, I may have been like that, but thank goodness I've evolved. <laughs> but it's kind of funny. Oh, we now, we I, all know people like that. <laughs> I want to ask you. Um, oh gosh, we're getting we're getting um, kind of tight on our time. But I want to ask you. I want to step out from the rooms a little bit, and I really want to talk about meditation. It is very near and dear to me, and I've been doing it for a long, 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 long time since I was a teen. And when I share, when I used to share, I'm going to say pre. 2010, when I used to share, you know, that I meditate, people would look at me like I had a third eye and five ears, you know, like, what? You met, you know, what's that? That's so weird. That's so, you know, but then they would always wonder, well, why do you have such this, you know, aura? Why do you always have this upbeat personality? Or, you know, how can you work in the emergency room and be a trauma nurse and not be stressed? Or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'd say, oh, I meditate. And they'd be like, oh, no, that's not it. You must drink or you must smoke some pot or you must do something because no one can just, you know, do the stuff you do and just be. And I'm like, no, really, I do. I, I meditate. It really helps keep the fire in me calm. Um, I want you to talk about meditation in the context of, is it a great way, or rather, is it a good way to get and stay in a in the present room? Will it help us to do that? 
Well, first of all, I think it's I, mean, I meditate every morning, and and I think it's absolutely the best way to get into the present realm. And when you meditate, you are aligning with your own soul, if you will, that your own you know inner being, and and that's where you can feel that that love because that inner being or your soul is connected to this whole divine consciousness which we'll call love for a simple you know explanation and so you're connecting to that love within you and the same love that everybody shares and that's that's what meditation can do and you you got to get to that point i mean the people who say yeah i i tried meditation it doesn't work for me well it's not that it doesn't work for them it's just they haven't they haven't worked through the um, all the thoughts that constantly come in, you know, initially right. when you're first starting to meditate. Because mm-hmm. meditation is the absence of thought. And so as thoughts come in, you have to acknowledge them, release them, acknowledge them, release them. And it takes a little practice. And you'll get better after a week, and you'll be even much better after a month. And the more you do it, as long as it's even just 10 minutes or 15 minutes every morning, just to take some time and just to practice connecting to your soul and and you know, with, without the other thoughts coming in, I think there's no better way to get into that present room. Now you said one other thing, which is staying there through the day. And that's where the challenge comes in. Because when you meditate in the morning, you connect to your soul, you're feeling incredible. Now you get in the car, you start driving to work, and all of a sudden someone cuts you off and starts yelling, and you scream back, and you spilt your coffee, and they are, and now <laughs> what happened to that meditation and that good feeling? So that's the problem, you know, or the challenge is that when people go out into the world and, and all during the day and all the things they see and hear keep pulling us, and because of our perceptions, our thoughts then keep pulling us out of the present room. So the one thing that you can keep thinking about all during the day, one is just besides where am I or where are my thoughts, constantly or just what I do is just which room am I in because I can, it just keeps reminding me to come back into the present room. But feelings of gratitude are the mm. best way to stay in the present room. So meditation in the morning get you there, and then you want a simple way all day long to stay there, keep being appreciative of everything. Oh, I love this. Oh, this is, thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. That was a nice thing you did to me. Oh, look at this. I'm so happy. What a great sandwich. This is a really great sandwich. (laughs) Everything you do during the day, if you show appreciation, you keep coming back into the present room. So that's the best way to stay there throughout the day. Oh, my goodness, you guys. If you're listening to what he just said, that is a huge golden nugget. You know, people pay thousands of dollars to therapists to get this information that Kevin just shared. And it really all comes to being grateful for what it is that's happening with you, around you, inside you, that will keep you in the present moment. And when you're in that present moment, you're in the best place that you can be. So if you didn't catch that, I just laid it out for you. You can always re-listen to the, you know, to this show again. But um, to me, that was perfect because there's so many people that get caught up in all the stuff that's external and going on around them that they actually forget to be grateful for the air they breathe breathe, or that sandwich that they're eating or that car that they're driving in, whether it's a bucket or that Aston Martin, you know, the fact that you have transportation and you don't have to catch the city bus or waiting on the cold streets or whatever, 
is is for transportation to get you from point A to point B is really, really something to be grateful for. So take those moments throughout your day and think about things that you're grateful for. If you feel that you're slipped into the future room and you've got stress and anxiety going on or the past room where you've got some negative emotions popping up, think of something that you're grateful for at that present moment in time. And as Kevin says, you'll step back into the present room. Now, before we go, Kevin, there's something that I mentioned in um, introducing to you, I mean, introducing you to the audience um, that really is um, near and dear to my soul just because I am a healthcare professional for many, many, many years, and that is um, the challenges of addiction. And so what I want to ask you, because we have this huge addiction um, problem in I've seen the opioid addiction for almost all of my nursing career, but for some reason now it's become a big, huge problem um, because it's affecting a a whole lot of areas. But there's been a problem that's been brewing for a long, long, long time. Um, How does the three rooms tie into into your personal passion about addressing these um, challenges of addiction? Well, when we talked about getting stuck in, in each of the rooms, whether it being stuck in the in the past room, constantly holding on to you know um, negative emotions, and think about think about uh, young young people who have had really rough childhoods, maybe with, you know with a, a lack of love and and just you know um, let's just say you know lots of challenges that they've gone through, and they're holding on to all these negative emotions. You can say they're they become addicted to those negative emotions because the more they think about it, the more they feel angry, then it causes them to think more about it, etc. And we can be addicted to our emotions in the future room. You know, we can be addicted. You start worrying about things, things and, and think about things in, where every thought releases a chemical. Those chemicals go, you know, into our body and you're worrying about something. It releases, you know, cortisol. Um, it goes into the, you know, the hormonal system. It sends messages back to the brain that says, you know, have more thoughts that equal to those emotions, and people are just in constant states of stress. So those negative emotions, we can get addicted to negative emotions. And I've started teaching to, at some schools and teaching to young middle school kids. You know, one is a simple concept of you just, which I learned from my daughter that, you know, in school is you're too good for drugs. And that's a simple message to do. But what we're starting to teach them is that you can be addicted to negative emotions just as you can be addicted to positive emotions. Because when you think of things as like gratitude, what we were just saying earlier, and you start releasing things like the oxytocins, you know, and, and you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, serotonin and Feels, all of that, yeah. and it'll literally mm-hmm. say, why do people, you know, a lot of people take drugs? It's because to make them feel better. And I'll even say, have you heard of Oxycontin? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Well, some people take Oxycontin because they don't feel good. They're feeling all these negative emotions, and it temporarily relieves them. But did you, do you know about oxytocin? Do you know what that is? And they'll go, no. And they say, well, that's what you can produce yourself. That's your own feel-good chemical that you can produce, and you can feel good all by yourself. So you don't need Oxycontin in order to feel better. You can make your own oxytocin simply by thinking positive things and being grateful for every little thing. And, you know, it can just be your pillow at night. It can be anything. And so, you know, it's all about the emotions and getting, you know, kids especially and, and, you know, 
because it's about prevention. You know, we have to treat the people who are suffering from addiction today, and there's a lot of money going to you know people who's treating them. But to me, it's it's so important to get that that generation of every single young person who has not crossed that line and tried any opiates yet to not get them to cross it. To say, you know what, you can produce your own positive. You can feel good all by yourself just by what you think. And so focus on that and focus on feeling good now and you don't need anything else. So I think that's a message. And, and really the feeling good is it's connections, it's feeling love. And that's the, that's the emotion we want them to focus on and then they won't be needing uh, you know, the other opiates. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I I, um, I always like to uh, address certain things, and one of the things he's from me because I have seen it in the healthcare profession with regards to uh, addiction um, is to, you know, educate. And I always tell people, um, and particularly even the doctors that I used to work with, is like I come in for a headache or a backache, why are you giving me Vicodin? Okay, why are you giving me hydrocodone? Why are you giving me, you know, uh, Oxycontin when I have a back? Why don't you, you know, talk to the person and say, hey, why don't you try some massage therapy or, you know, why don't you try some relaxation techniques or why don't you try some of these other things that actually will help release the endorphins, the feel-good endorphins in your body and not mask the symptoms of pain that the drug is going to do. So it's always good. I love educating people about that, and especially young people. You know, um, we have a huge, huge, huge addiction problem in America, and we've had it for a very, very long time. And you've got the kids diving into it, but we also have to take responsibility with our professionals, meaning the doctors, who prescribe these enormously powerful narcotic medications um, for things that absolutely don't need a narcotic prescribed for. That's where a lot of the opioid addiction um, begins, and um, and it's just rampant. You go through any big city, anywhere here in America, and you will find several physicians just handing out those prescriptions like candy because, one, they don't have time to really address the issues going on with the patient's pain, and two, it's just an easy, easier thing to do to help. They're trying to help, but in actuality, um, sometimes the help is is not necessarily needed in that context. So thanks for sharing that, and thanks for mentioning how, you know, people can stay in that present room um, by releasing those, learning how to release those uh, feel-good endorphins, oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin and all those good things that we naturally can do. And if you guys really want a good release, Go work out. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Go to the gym. Go for a swim. Whatever. I guarantee you, after you do that, those endorphins will be swimming and humming in your body. You'll be feeling good and won't even need any kind of external numbing, whether it's alcohol or drugs, to uh, to take care of anything that's going on negatively inside you. Okay, enough of me on my soapbox. But that's something really huge, and and it's always good that we can't talk enough about it because the more we talk about it, the more we educate people and you never know who may be listening that we may have just changed their lives by just telling them what you just shared with them, Kevin, which was having those feelings of gratitude. Now we're at the end of our show. So I want you to share with the listeners, Kevin, 
um, how they could pick up the wonderful book, The Three Rooms, Change Your Thoughts, and Change Your Life. Um, share with them how they can get that book. Okay, the book is just on Amazon, and you just you know, type in Kevin Murphy in the three rooms, or um, you can find information um, on our website at uh, www.thetherooms.com. And um, are you going to be speaking anywhere, or do you speak, or are you just strictly an author, and you you know um, you know you're getting your message across by being on you know shows like mine, or yeah, what's think- in store for you? Um, right now, it's 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 more doing shows like yours and a lot of radio shows and podcasts. Um, I also I'm involved in a number of different things and and some of them um, you know a bunch of charity things, including um, along the lines from an addiction standpoint, um, working with the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and the oh, cool. uh, Friends of Long Island Wrestling on a campaign called Wrestling Takes Down Drugs. And so oh, to raise cool. awareness of it and, and um, promote, you know, uh, self-esteem in, in young people so they don't, you know, don't try. So um, there's a number of different um, projects and, and uh, you know, things I'm doing, um, as well as serving on, on a couple of boards of, of directors. So um, keeping busy, but trying to share this message of the three rooms because it, it poured out of me. And, and I figured if it can, if it can help one person, then, then that would be a wonderful thing. Right, and there's a reason that um, it was meant to pour out of you at this moment in time. Nothing is by accident. I believe everything happens when it's supposed to happen and where it's supposed to happen. And so it's great that you're doing this and sharing this message because it's really important, and I think it's very powerful. And I want to thank you for being a guest on Blissful Living. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, spend a few moments with us, enlightening us and making us laugh and having us think about, you know, all the context of, you know, what goes on in our day-to-day life and how we can really truly stay present in that present room and uh, and really begin to really enjoy each and every moment of our life as we travel, as I like to say, as we travel down our path to bliss. So thank you so very much. And I want to thank the listeners, of course, for coming and spending time with us, taking time out of your busy day to listen to me and Kevin conversate about the enlightening experience of just, you know, being present and being grateful and how to not get caught up in the future room or the past room, but just just enjoying life um, as it is and as it comes to you. So thank you for taking time to listen. And I want to thank our sponsors, Blissful Living for You, as well as All Day Capo Incorporated. And um, as always, you all, i like to wish you lots of love, peace, joy, and happiness. Find something each day to make you laugh and smile. And even if you're not having the best of best days, there's always, 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 something to be grateful for. And until next time, everyone, may you have peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. This is the Queen of Feeling Fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson, saying goodbye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.